What's up, geeks, and welcome to the be all and end all review of the year. Just look up. There is no place to hide. Your love doesn't die. It holds on tight and never lets you go. Just look up. My name is Kev. This is the Geek Centric Podcast, and we are hurtling at you at 85,000 miles per hour with our quick-fire review for Netflix's next star-studded blockbuster, Don't Look Up. Written and directed by Adam McKay, the movie tells the story of two low-level astronomers who must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. The film's cast is a who's who of universally loved stars, including Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, Mark Rylance, Timothy Chalamet, Jonah Hill, Ron Perlman, Tyler Perry, Ariana Grande, Hamish H- Patel, Michael Schicklis, and then a whole bunch of people who aren't nearly as famous. Uh, the film debuts in select theaters on December 10th and then streams on Netflix starting December 24th. A huge thanks to Netflix for letting us see the film early so we could give you our initial thoughts. And unlike the two leads in this movie, we are not going to leak information, so this will be a spoiler-free review. Speaking of we, allow me to introduce my superstar co-host for today's show. Who would you get if you combined the comedic sensibilities of Jonah Hill and the devilish good looks of Leonardo DiCaprio? Sadly, we may never know. But in the meantime, allow me to instead introduce our very own J-Law, Justin Lawrence. (laughs) I was like, I was like, wow, that's some high praise. Oh no way, oh no way. That's very good. I'm good. How are you? How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. We are hurtling towards the holiday movie season, so these these reviews are going to be coming fast and uh, and feverishly. Well, we're nearing the end, really, of 2021. So, um, you know, I'm I'm glad we're we're ending with with some pretty strong movies, and and this being one of them. Like you said, something that is a blockbuster in its right for the star-studded cast that it has. It's you know as we discussed, that's one of its major strengths is is who they have uh, in this film. So well, yeah. let's let's just get right in it. I say we sit tight and assess this film. Um, oh. So, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, did you enjoy this movie, or was this the worst news in the history of humanity? Huh. It definitely was the worst news in 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 the history of humanity, but I, I enjoyed it. I I've, I'm a fan of Adam McKay's work uh, f- since like The Big Short and and Vice, just bringing in real world situations like things that you know are, are actually happening and and really drawing a satirical comedic quality out of it. He's found a really unique way in his filmmaking to take two different facets of of writing sensibility and comedic sensibility to really make his own visual aesthetic because it still feels like you know he is a a some people will say this is too far but an auteur with the way that he approaches his storytelling with filmmaking and i think that you know this again just highlights that Uh, absolutely no he's he's i I love that you 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 point him out as an auteur because he really does have such a unique style and such a unique way that he's telling these stories uh, that sort of set him apart from some of his contemporaries in, you know, especially in the comedy field. Um, And for me, this is far from a perfect film, but it is certainly the best, uh, and I mean no offense to Armageddon or Deep Impact, but this is the best asteroid on a collision course with Earth movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, it's, it's a really great take on the devastation, apocalyptic, uh, meteor hitting the planet, as you said, uh, motif uh, with 
the same level of dramatization that that comes in and out that's sort of weaved throughout this story but then a real focus on on just the process by which in today's society something like this would be processed and you know when we walked out of the movie kev you had mentioned a word and it just stuck with me and it was just this this narrative of the meteor hurtling to earth is is very allegorical to you know what's going on right now with just you know science versus reality you know, fact versus fiction and things becoming so divisive and, and, and sort of politicized in the process at the same time. So it, it was it's very smart. And I think that just the obscurity of making it a apocalyptic, devastating meteor that's going to head to Earth. We've just gone through a pandemic and we never thought that this could happen. But in reality, now looking at something like this, this could be how the world handles the sort of situation. Right. So <laughs> scary, but true. Right. I think right? that's kind of what I left thinking, man, that if if you just looked at it, you know, on the surface, you'd think, oh, how how ridiculous and over the top were some of the characters and the decisions they make in this movie. Right. And then you look at, like you said, at everything we've gone through in, in the last few years and in the last 10 years, let's say, yep. in this sort of emergence of, of social media and everything. And it's like, wow, that might be the most realistic portrayal of the current state of humanity that, that's out there. And that is... Just a devastating thought. Absolutely. That's the terrifying part. It's not the meteor that's hurtling to Earth. It's the way things are handled that feel very real and relevant to current times. That's the terrifying part uh, of, of, of the whole movie. So I do think that there's a very interesting message, but to your point, it's, it's far from perfect. And I think some people are going to have a bit of a tough time with its narrative, just because of how not entirely flushed out, if you will, like it, there's, there's obviously this, this, this global devastation that anchors the film. But as we move through these scenarios and the way things are sort of cut and how we jump through different periods of times, I I'm thinking it might be a little bit much for people because it is chaotic and and that that editing style and that the way it's put together feels very uh, reminiscent of the situation that we're in and how you want to scream from the top of your lungs for someone to believe what you're trying to say but no one will they're just they're just ignoring you and and we saw a similar theme in the big short as all these brilliant minds were right. coming together to Absolutely. say that, that there's going to be a housing crisis and and those in charge, those who were making the money said, nah, nah, ignore it. This is fine. Everything's fine until it's not. And there's no going back at that point. And so uh, and I, I also do think that if you're on the side of science denial or of the political spectrum that this movie does sort of poke fun at, I can see some people being pretty upset watching sure. this, you know, especially if you if you don't go in expecting something that that really is a commentary if you're just going in because it's you know uh, a dramedy uh, about an asteroid coming towards earth there's so much more going on here that yeah absolutely i could definitely see people a being you know just turned off by it being a, a far more of a thinking movie than it might come off as in the trailer but also if you're on that side of things it, it might offend some people I, I and i'm i i'm positive that was mckay's goal here it was sure. to offend yeah, I, I, to offend or even to create dialogue and conversation, because it is obviously anchored in America and in America's interests and, you know, how how everything is perceived, you know, 
Meryl Streep plays President Jamie Orlean, and you know she feels like a Trumpian-inspired character. A hundred percent. She employs her son to important positions within her <laughs> yeah, cabinet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Who has no experience and feels more like a PR person rather than anyone that would actually have any sort of political weight in, in any decision-making. Um, but again, I think, though, the cast is the strength of of this movie to help kind of show you the good, the bad, and the ugly to this situation. You know, of course, we got Leonardo DiCaprio playing Dr. Uh, Randall Mitty, and I think his sort of outburst style of acting plays extremely well in this comedy style and in this situation. It's like this character was written to the strengths of what he could act. When he was like awkward, it was sometimes comical, but it, it was just this constant sort of back and forth between two sides of Leonardo DiCaprio that I actually enjoyed seeing. I, I think it was fairly good. Well, and, and I like how he's kind of cast here against what we usually see him at, in that yes. he's he's kind of a nerd here. And yeah. we're not used to seeing yeah. Leo be exactly. like that geeky, nerdy, awkward character. But then at the same time, the film never forgets who we're talking about here. We're talking right. about a, 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 one of the biggest heartthrobs of the last 30 years. And so unlike, say, Brad Pitt in The Big Short, who plays just a very regular Joe, his looks never become something, you know, here the, the world suddenly does recognize, wait a minute, this very awkward, nerdy man is also very good looking. And that <laughs> becomes its own sort of narrative throughout the movie as well. And, and, you know, Leo paired with, with Jennifer Lawrence as, as Dr. Kate Dibiaski, uh, you know, you could see that student-mentor relationship between her and uh, Dr. Randall. You know, I think she, she also added to that paranoia and hysteria of the situation because, you know, they're scientists. They understand the ramifications and, and stuff like that. And I think they were perfect sort of vessels for us as an audience to sort of experience that chaotic frustration of of the situation if you will a hundred percent and i actually personally think the best performance in the movie comes from kate blanchett because when we first meet her mm -hmm. she's just this superficial you know almost you know just very vapid very shallow good yeah. morning talk show host but we sort of get to know her character a bit more personally throughout the movie and realize there's a lot more that meets the eye and that initial persona we get to know is just for the cameras because she's yes. making money, selling a personality, yep. but she's yep. a lot more deep as a person. She's a lot more intelligent, and, and that's just a very tiny little character study, but a fascinating one nonetheless because that in contrast with Meryl Streep, who is just what you see is what you get. Jonah Hill, his character, the 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 D-bag of all D-bags is just very – he is who he is, and there is not going to be any growth from this character, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, 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 I see what you mean by Kate Blanchett's uh, character who she plays Brie Evanchi. You're right. Like on the surface, she was kind of made to sort of be this superficial, very I'm a TV personality every day of my life. And when she has these revealing moments, they do kind of strike a, a chord at the idea of understanding the people behind some of these personalities. And I use air quotes around that. Uh, but Mark Rylis, man, I was blown away that he was in this movie. I, I thought he was, he was, he was interesting. He was very awkward. Um, I'm wondering if, if, you know, as we talk about this cast, I think there's some good roles here that we will inevitably see some, some, some Oscar nominations. Well, okay. Uh, I was going to save this for a little later but since you brought it up why don't we jump right into that 
if you look at Adam McKay's work, uh, his last two movies have been nominated for a combined 14 Academy Awards, uh, winning two of those. And then in addition to that, we've talked about this amazing cast. They come uh, with a resume of 42 acting nominations and eight wins on the big stage. And so with that kind of track record, um, Don't Look Up surely will be in the discussion come Oscar time. Um, but should it be? Would, would there be a performance or perhaps the writing, cinematography, anything that you can see getting nominated come, come the big show? Editing, for sure. This deserves that nomination. In terms of performances, you know, I think Meryl Streep is, is bound to get a best supporting actress. Jennifer would be nominated for best actress, probably. But I could see Meryl Streep and, and Kate Blanchett, you know, both getting nominated for uh, uh, best supporting. In terms of best acting, I don't know. I, I, I think they'd give it to Leo for a nod. But I think Mark Rylis might get best supporting. I think he, yeah, would, I could, he would get. I could definitely see him getting it. I mean, Leo's great in this. He's great in everything. But this this doesn't rank, I don't think, in his top echelon of performances to sort of go along with the other six or seven nominations he's received. I mean, personally, for me, I think the best uh, male performance might come from uh, Timothy Chalamet. And he's in a very, very limited role. But I just think he brings this this warmth and this substance to his character that at first you're like, oh, he's a nothing, he's a scrub, you know, he's not going to be in this movie much. And he ends up interjecting his way into the narrative a bit more than expected at first. And I just, yeah, he had such a, a warmth to him. I, I loved the soul he brought with that. If Chalamet were to get nominated for, for Best Supporting... I wouldn't be I wouldn't be offended by that. Wouldn't be offended. I, I'd still be pretty surprised, uh, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Now, now using a telescope to stare into the vastness of space can be a beautiful, life changing, almost spiritual experience. Uh, but sometimes you spot a world ending asteroid on a collision course with Earth, and all is not well. Uh, so, on that note, uh, what were some things that maybe didn't work with the movie for you? I mentioned it before, I think, and I think the story felt a bit uneven. The elements of the story were, were laid out, but it was more about the experience. I, I do think that the movie does play up, making the audience member very frustrated and terrified. You know, story kind of takes a bit of a backseat and just is a sort of overarching anchor that helps to kind of keep this together. There's a meteor that's inevitably going to hit Earth. That's it. And then we just watch. There's no sort of indication of time jumps or or how much time has lapsed. There's usually a mention here or there, but you're sort of always thrown into another situation that just takes you to the next part of the story. I think that would probably be my 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 only real nitpick at it. I think we've mentioned it a bit here. It, it, it's just, it might be a bit over the top in some of these character portrayals. You know, in McKay's last two efforts, he, he's just relied so much on creating a grounded sense of reality. Uh, that sort of really helps to ground his more zany or irreverent bits of humor that he likes to sprinkle yes, throughout. Whereas this one felt almost a bit more on par with some of his earlier work in that sure. we weren't looking at characters as much as we were looking at caricatures. And so that sort of Interesting. lost point. a little bit of a, a, a realistic sense that I think really works so well with his previous two movies. And even in the trailer, you know, it says, based on a true story that hasn't happened yet and it's and it, it certainly could have been a very real look at what could have happened what could happen and and again we've talked about how terrifying it is in terms of looking at society from a pop culture standpoint and everything like that but it just it might have been a bit too loosey-goosey with the rules of reality for me 
For sure. The real rules of reality, are, I, that's a great call out. It's a, it's a character versus a character sort of scenario that Adam McKay is kind of playing with in this, in this film. And that's that's very that's very fair. And I think that knowing that if, if you obviously are going to watch this movie when it does either hit theaters or or uh, if you're going to stream it from home, be prepared for that. You know, I, I think the, the, the reality, too, is that these characters are really the 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 shining star of 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 this movie and really do help carry it, it you know I, I think that's the other thing that you know might be a plus or a negative depending on how you look at it the runtime's a little bit longer and and it sometimes you do sometimes feel that but at the same time with that you have these characters that you're you're kind of very very intrigued with but yeah, you mentioned the editing earlier. I think it could have been trimmed a little bit to sort of keep it a bit more focused and on track to what was what was trying to be uh, discussed and, and looked at here. Well, we should probably get wrapped up fairly quickly here. Uh, but before we get to our final scores for the film, uh, I did want to pose a quick uh, would you to you. And that is, uh, as we've mentioned, the film will be uh, in a lim- limited theatrical run and then available everywhere on December 24th on Netflix. And so how would you recommend people see this movie? I honestly, I, I, maybe it's because we are going to the theater more for, for pure entertainment. I do think that this could this is a movie that would play far better in theater because you really do immerse yourself in it. Um the reality is, though, if it, if it isn't something that's feasible or if you don't feel comfortable, it is going to be on Netflix as of of uh, December twenty fourth, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I think I think a theater experience does help with this sort of this sort of film and and how how you experience it. Absolutely, and especially when we've talked so much about this cast, and these are literally some of the biggest stars in the world that you know they yeah. pop on the big screen, and so that really mm-hmm. really does help this film feel like a big deal because of of who's in it and what's going on and and while it wouldn't be your your typical blockbuster um it 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 does feature some pretty big moments and big scenes that that i'm sure will benefit more on the big screen than yeah so yeah again i like how you phrased it if you feel comfortable and 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 you're close to a theater that plays some of these more limited-run films definitely go and and check it out if you can because it'll play really nicely on the big screen also, and, and there's a reason why it's it's hitting theaters before it's hitting, you know, Netflix, right? They they believe that it it does deserve that that time in the theater uh, for for people to experience it. So I'd say check it out. Awesome. Well, let's pretend we only have about six weeks to live, and therefore need to wrap this sucker up. Today we're going to be scoring the film "Don't Look Up" out of five extinction level events. So, Justin, I'd love to know your final thoughts and your score. Yeah, well, if you can't already tell, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I thought it was uh, really well done. I think that there is some great messaging behind this movie that really does talk about today and, and the and the sort of global situation that we're in. And uh, as you mentioned, Kevin, you know, as much as it is terrifying to think about a meteor heading to Earth uh, to destroy Earth and, and literally a catastrophic event, the most terrifying part about this movie is is these characters and how they're handling the situation because it does mirror uh, current events so well. Um, again, Adam McKay finds a balance between real and satirical and creates an, his own sort of voice and commentary. He's, he 
does it so well. Um, I think this movie does really highlight the strengths of of his filmmaking and, and storytelling capabilities. Um, and again, the cast really brings their A game and, and really, you know, as, as you said, Kevin, they, they become these characters rather than these characters. And, and they really do lean into those 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 tropes i don't think that this movie is going to be for everyone and i as you mentioned it's probably going to be a bit of a conversation starter and maybe offend some people who who might be those science deniers or even just side with some of the political ideology that that's featured in this movie and while this movie isn't perfect it does suffer for some minor pacing issues some lulls and slow points uh but all in all i do think that this movie has a great message and and is very relevant uh, even for its scope. So I'm going to give this a four out of five uh, extinction level events. So I think I got that right. <laughs> nice. I, I mean, this movie really is basically an elevated version of the kind of global catastrophe disaster movies we've seen so many times before. Uh, in some ways, it's almost like a spoof of movies like 2012 or Independence Day, Day After Tomorrow, the terrific Geostorm. Uh, you know, whereas those movies often take themselves so seriously, they come off silly. This movie almost has such a silly tone to it that it comes off serious. Uh, and that really has to do with the fact that it's presenting such a scathing commentary or indictment of the current state of society, of our media-obsessed world, and of the refusal of some to accept and rely on the scientific community. Uh, most recently in the wake of climate change deniers and just about everything negative that has to do with the coronavirus pandemic. And so while it might be classified as a dramedy, this was the most depressed I felt after a comedy, yeah. uh, with exception to maybe Step Brothers, but that was for completely different reasons. <laughs> um, uh, I really do think McKay continues to show that he has elevated himself from his earlier works, and it just goes to show that his reputation is really gaining momentum when you see the just amazing list of A-listers that are signing on to work with him because they know he's going to bring something important to say and they know he's probably going to earn them uh, an Academy Award nomination. He, you know, he keeps proving to do that. And so uh, I really do think there are some great performance in this uh, film. I think the writing in certain moments stands out and is so terrific. It's bogged down a little by being a bit too silly at times. But overall, I think the film really does achieve its goal of saying we have to look at ourselves because in the wake of disaster, it's only going to be coming together and working together that we're going to be able to find a solution. We, we have to knock this divisiveness off and this fighting and this politicizing everything. And so it really does pack a pretty powerful message, um, more so than I think I expected going into the film just based off of the trailers. And so uh, with that in mind, I'm going to give this a 3.9 out of 5 extinction level events. Well, there you have it, our spoiler-free review for Don't Look Up. Once again, the movie premieres in a limited number of theaters on December 10th and then drops on Netflix on December 24th. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us five stars, or we might have an extinction-level crisis of emotions. Uh, we'd also love to know how you'll be checking this one out. Are you going to try and find it in theaters or wait to stream it with family and friends over Christmas? Nothing says happy holidays like an impending threat of the end of the world. Uh, you can let us know at wearegeekcensor.com at gmail.com, but in case you'd rather have the world end than be caught sending an email, you can also hit us up on Twitter at GeekCentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. As always, we've got plenty of awesome content to check out. 
We've got our spoiler-filled reviews of Ghostbusters Afterlife and Disney's Encanto. And every week, we're coming at you with our latest watch club for the Disney Plus series, Hawkeye. Plus, we'll have many more reviews coming your way this month, including The Kingsman, Spider-Man No Way Home, and Matrix Resurrections, just to name a few. Be sure to just look those up wherever you get your pod on. Justin, thanks so much for joining me, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until next time, keep it geeky.